just 72 hours into the diagnosis now, the first week of COVID, and in particular day seven to 10 are the most critical. At this time, the team and I are extremely happy with the progress the president has made. Good morning and welcome to Axios Today. It's Saturday, October 3rd. I'm Nyla Boodoo, and I'm joining you for a special bonus episode. That's because Friday afternoon, President Trump headed to Walter Reed Military Hospital. The White House says he'll be working there for the next few days after he tested positive for the coronavirus. And you just heard the president's doctor saying he thinks he's doing very well. But it's not just the president and the first lady who have COVID-19. This is a turning point, not just for the upcoming election, but for the Supreme Court confirmation process and for this country. Which is why we wanted to bring you a special conversation to frame our thoughts right now on this developing story. And to do that, I'm joined by Axios co-founder Mike Allen. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Nyla. White House and politics editor Margaret Taleb. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Nyla. And White House reporter Elena Treen. Good morning, Good morning. Elena. Good morning. Since our last Axios Today episode yesterday morning, which frankly feels like years ago at this point, now we have a lot more information, not just about President Trump, who is currently being hospitalized at Walter Reed Medical Center, but a whole group. We actually have our own coronavirus tracker of within the GOP now, Elena. Can you give us a sense of how many people within the Trump administration have now tested positive for the coronavirus? Several now. So it started with one of the president's closest advisors, Hope Hicks. And since then, we've learned, of course, both the president and first lady have the virus. The RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, has tested positive. The president's 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien, has it. His former campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, she had just left the White House. She's tested positive. And then some three senators now, we have Senator Mike Lee, Senator Tom Tillis, and right as we're on the phone, Senator Ron Johnson, all three have tested positive. So several people in the president's orbit. And again, we're just hearing of more now, probably more people who are, who are being diagnosed to come. I mean, I'm just listening to what Elaine is saying, and it just comes into such full perspective. You've got a month left in the presidential race. And if you imagine the strategy involved and who are the most people in the president's orbit, the person who's running his campaign has the virus. The person who is his closest personal aide and confidant and advisor has the virus. The woman who is the head of the Republican Party organization nationally has the virus. His Supreme Court nominee doesn't currently have the virus, but that may be because she already had the virus this summer. And the president is going into this last stretch in a situation where you're trying to run a presidential campaign and the people who are the most important people to running the campaign including you, have the virus. Mike, what are you thinking about? We do this thing at Axios. We call them thought bubbles. It's what we're thinking. And I wonder what your thought bubble is this Saturday morning. And Ella, my thought bubble is that Republicans are very worried about the backdrop to all this. So look what else could happen. People in the White House tell me that they expect more positive cases around the president already. Uh, we know that uh, a couple of the senators who would be involved in the confirmation of Judge Barrett have tested positive. The Senate Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, tweeting to the Republicans to slow their roll. He said, two members of the Judiciary Committee have tested positive. I wish them well, but it is irresponsible and dangerous to move forward with a hearing. There's absolutely no good reason to do so. So 
if the confirmation of Judge Barrett would be delayed, like that would be uh, something of intense worry to Republicans. And here's one of the reasons why, that Nyla Axios has new reporting this morning that after the debate, polls in Senate races all around the country fell through the floor. As one consultant said it to me, who has access to a lot of these uh, polls, he says, the bottom is falling out everywhere. So, Elena, you cover not just the White House, but you also cover Congress. What are you seeing to Mike's point about the Supreme Court process? The Supreme Court process is a huge deal. And every Republican and those leading it, Senate Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham, is trying to bulldoze through this process and try to get Amy Coney Barrett, the president's nominee, confirmed before November 3rd. As of now, everyone I speak to, publicly at least, will say, this is happening. We're not slowing down. There's going to be a virtual option. We're going to continue with having hearings begin on October 12th, a week from Monday. That is seeming increasingly unlikely as we see the number of people, senators, who are being diagnosed, many of whom were at the White House at a ceremony last week where the president himself announced that Amy Coney Barrett was his nominee. There was not a lot of social distancing going on. Most people weren't wearing masks. And that is an event that a lot of people think could have been kind of a super spreader event. And it's being thrown into doubt whether this timeline that Republicans, the president, everyone wants is going to stay on track. You know, Democrats had no way to stop Amy Coney Barrett. You, you look at the numbers in the Senate you understand how the process works, and they could slow it down. The illnesses spreading throughout the Judiciary Committee and the U.S. Senate have given Democrats this thing that they did not have before. And Chuck Schumer is making clear that if he can use that, he will. For many Democrats, it's worth the play because it could have decades of impact on the interpretation of laws ranging from health care coverage and abortion to business regulation in this country. Margaret, can you just tell us what you're hearing about how the White House is handling this health crisis? My phone started blowing up yesterday afternoon from friends who are in public relations, people in both parties, who at a certain point in the afternoon were saying some variations of their communications team is really botching this. I can't believe uh, how bad the rollout of this information has been. And I would follow up on text and say, what do you mean? What do you think they should be doing? They don't, doesn't seem like they have a lot of options right now. And each person, regardless of their party affiliation or their particular views on President Trump says, you have to get out in front of the information. You, maybe you can't share everything. Maybe you have to be careful about what you're sharing, but you have to project the sense that the White House is still in control, that the White House has the information that they need to understand what to do next. It's the president of the United States. This is a a moment where the literally the leader of the free world has some strength of a virus that has hobbled and killed people all over the world, including in the United States. And it's important for people to actually understand how serious this case is, what his course of treatment is, whether it will impact his ability to do his duties, what the contingency plans are, how things have been communicated to members of Congress and to other leaders in Washington, what contact tracing methods are underway to try to understand the scope of everyone who could have been touched by this, and what assurances to give to the American people about what to expect in the days to come. And Basically, none of that has happened at this point. He is still the head of government in the United States. There needs to be a plan 
uh, to communicate where things stand with a degree of credibility and transparency uh, to the American people. Can I just end with how are you all thinking about the next 24 hours? Final thoughts. And they kind of do jive, Nyla, with your idea of thinking about it in 24-hour blocks. I'm really thinking about what's next for the president. What are we going to find out in the next few hours and the days that he is at the hospital undergoing tests and what it means for this country? What does this mean for him? How does this change the state of the race? How does this change the way that the White House responds and thinks about this virus? And what does this show to others who don't take this virus as seriously? Look, this has this is a turning point in the presidential race, and it's a turning point for the country. And it is the ultimate example of, I think, of science and facts, overwhelming spin and strategy. The election has become the most concentrated way that you can watch the tragedy of the pandemic play out. There are concentric circles. It is almost impossible to figure out where it started and where it ends and how far it goes and what it means. And it has overridden all intentions, good intentions, bad intentions, strategy, plans, other events. For months, the president has wanting to turn the conversation away from coronavirus and to other things, to the economy, to schools, to the Supreme Court, to unrest in the suburbs, whatever. It's right back now where it's always been since March. Can I buzz in? My thought bubbles have been blowing up like Margaret Elena's reporting and insights have just been so fascinating. So now my thought bubbles are blowing up. So taking your 24 hours, you know me, Nyla, you know, I'm going to say something hopeful, right? And this was a very hard way to learn it. But I think that this is going to raise people's awareness of the dangers of how we were behaving. If you think about March, April, like we were hiding in our houses and not really that much has changed about the virus. And so I think that this is going to remind people of what's happening. And I think to that point also, we want to just end by thinking about the fact that we all are human. We all are Americans and our thoughts are with not just the president and the first lady and all of the people in Washington. But I'm also just thinking about the 300,000 other Americans that were diagnosed with the coronavirus this week. And we all want to be keeping them in our thoughts. So with that, I want to thank all of you for being with me this morning. Axios is White House and Politics Editor Margaret Taleb, White House Reporter Elena Treen, and Axios co-founder Mike Allen. Thank you all. Thanks, Nyla. Wishing karma to the country. Thank you. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Carol Alderman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Kara Schillen, and Naomi Shaven. Alex Sugiyara is our mix engineer. Sarah Kehilani-Gu is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Letal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can write to us at podcasts at axios.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Nyla Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a great weekend.